Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power, at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Here's our thought for the day. We receive strength by experiencing the love of Jesus and our all-powerful God. Let's talk a little bit about what it means that God is omnipotent. God has all power. We receive strength by experiencing the love of Jesus and our all-powerful God. Now, we're going to look closer at our text in Ephesians, but first, I want to give you my title for today and talk a little bit about energy. I'm talking about all-powerful God. Maybe over the Thanksgiving weekend, you were a little frustrated by how much fuel you spent in your car or on the plane you rode, or maybe you're just tired. Uh, maybe you saw toddlers running around and you thought, I, I wish I could tap some of that energy. I wish I could have some of that energy. I don't know if you ever feel tired, worn out. Maybe that is a part of why you're feeling like, I barely made it today, right? The thought of free energy or perpetual motion or an energy supply source in your life, in your spirit that never ends, that's an attractive thought. Some of you don't even have energy to agree with me. That's an, that's an attractive thought. And we have two images on the screen that you see there. One is from my dumpster dive on YouTube about perpetual motion uh, machines. Um, that's the, uh, the idea that you could have a machine that once you set it into motion, it would just continue to move. And then somehow we could derive from that, like the turbines and a hydroelectric dam where the water turns the turbine and we produce electricity from that, that you could have a a machine where there would be perpetual motion where we could derive energy from it, which would save everybody money and whoever could do that could take over the world, right? Some of you are familiar with this. Some of you are like, oh, I'm going to look that up on YouTube right now. What we have, um, the image on the screen is actually from, uh, on the right, is from Robert Flood. And this is the first historically known perpetual motion machine, and that was made in 1618. There's a little bit of, uh, that's right, 1618. Uh, a little bit of inspiration from Archimedes. Uh, engineers would recognize that on the image there. And a couple of containers of water, one above, one below, and a machine that was set to try to have perpetual motion. Now, I know some of you are wondering, can I please have some more science? So let me give that to you. (laughs) Perpetual motion is motion of bodies that continues indefinitely. A perpetual motion machine is a hypothetical machine that can do work indefinitely without an energy source. Like one YouTube video I love with water bottles on this wheel and this thing is like, God, dude, clearly the sound is muted. He's using a leaf blower to get the thing going. Right? This kind of machine is impossible as it would violate the first or second law of thermodynamics. Um, now, these laws of thermodynamics apply at very grand scales. For example, the motions and rotations, don't get depressed, hang in there with me. The motions and rotations of celestial bodies, such as planets, may appear perpetual, but are actually subject to many processes that slowly dissipate their kinetic energy, such as solar wind, interstellar medium resistance, gravitational radiation, and thermal radiation, so they will not keep moving forever. Thus, machines that extract energy from finite sources, pay attention now, machines that extract energy from finite sources will not operate indefinitely because they are driven by the energy stored in the source, which will eventually be exhausted. Are you paying attention? 
energy will eventually be exhausted. A common example is devices powered by ocean currents, whose energy is ultimately derived from the sun, which itself will eventually burn out. Machines powered by a more obscure source have been proposed but are subject to the same inescapable laws and will eventually wind down. The law of thermodynamics applied to closed linear systems. Stay with me. Some of you notice I have a fidget spinner. This one's actually mine. Um, and uh, because I could not cross the line of sacrilege, this one is not made from four skateboard ball bearings. Come on, come on, work with me now. I, I was a skater. I can't use skate. That, that, those things are designed for the wheels of a skateboard. So uh, fidget spinners are our are, are fascination uh, to calm us, to soothe us, uh, a toy, right? But they're intriguing because they just kind of go on forever. It just seems like the energy doesn't run out. It just keeps going and going. It's like the Energizer Bunny, right? It just keeps going and going and going. And there's this attraction to discover a something that can keep going and going and going, right? I'm so glad you're curious about that. Check this out. In 2017, new states of matter called time crystals or space-time crystals were discovered, which may allow for perpetual motion by bypassing the laws of thermodynamics. I'm not reading you science fiction. Check this out. But since a time crystal or a space-time crystal is not a closed system, it does not constitute a perpetual motion machine in the traditional sense. A time crystal or space-time crystal is a structure that repeats periodically in time as well as in space. Normal three-dimensional crystals have a repeating pattern in space but remain unchanged with respect to time. Time crystals repeat themselves in time as well, leading the crystals to change from moment to moment. I know you want a little bit more science. Here you go. Then I'm going to be done. A space-time crystal, this is fascinating stuff, refers to, and this is in God's creation, are you with me? Refers to a crystal whose structure is not rigid, but rather in perpetual motion, the structure of the crystal. The perpetual motion is achieved by continuously imparting energy into the crystal from an external source to get it out of its zero-energy ground state. The perpetual motion moves in a specific pattern that repeats itself over and over again. The movement is thought to cause a phenomenon called quantum entanglement between the particles of the crystal. This entanglement makes the crystal impervious over time to outside sources that would normally break down a rigid crystal structure. This breakdown by outside forces is called quantum decoherence by physicists. Essentially, the crystal remains forever young and will not lose any information encoded in it. This is a property highly sought after by engineers who are designing quantum computers. Whoa. Excellent. Let's go back to Ephesians 3. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. We receive strength by experiencing the love of Jesus and our all-powerful God. Now that is a statement worth unpacking. So let's go to the larger context of the verse. I'd like to read Ephesians 3, verses 12 through 21. 
Because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. That's huge. We were just talking about that earlier. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you, so you should be honored. Now this is Paul writing to the believers in Ephesus, and he's writing from, he's imprisoned in Rome, and he's in a house prison, but he's being kept there because of his faith and because of his testimony that Jesus is our Savior. So that's why he writes that. Don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you, so you should be honored. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that his glorious, unlimited resources, that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And you, and may you, have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life, and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Now this is powerful. Deep spiritual transformational stuff. We've talked about this passage before. It may feel a little bit over my head, a little bit too complicated. So I want to talk about the context of this just a little bit. Will that be helpful? Okay. Where in the world is Ephesus? I'm so glad you asked. In modern Turkey, okay, which is where Ben Farrell grew up, over on the left-hand side, out by the coast, between Turkey and Greece, you see where the city of Ephesus was. Now, To give you some context, here's where it is in relationship to other cities that you see in the New Testament. We see Philippi, Corinth, Rome, Athens, Antioch, where people were first called Christians, right? It gives you kind of a sense of what's going on there. Now, Paul's first trip there was short, a couple weeks. His second trip there was longer, a couple of years. And it was a port city. This is what it looks like today. So... It's on the coastline. It was important for trade throughout the region in areas of business, religion, culture. It was on a highway between the east and the west of that day. So as a port city, as a central city, as a central city in particular in the region of 230 individual towns. It's a city that is central to 230 towns in Asia. It was the base of circulation of this letter. Paul wrote this letter by hand and it was copied by hand over and over to be distributed in Ephesus to the believers in Ephesus, but also to the various towns, the 230 towns that were in that region. So it's a place, it's a city that's under Roman rule at this time. 
but has Greek culture has been taught throughout. So safety to travel has been established through Roman military rule. Greek culture, uh, music, plays, language, history, writings, different things of that nature had spread, whereas maybe a hundred years before this, if you crossed a hill, somebody would be talking in a language you didn't understand about things that you didn't know. But in this hundred years leading up to this, that has all changed, which has given an opportunity for a letter like this and the message about Jesus to travel freely and with speed and to be effective. God was literally for hundreds of years orchestrating socioeconomic, political, and military history so that the message of Jesus could travel far and wide and easily and not in an expensive way. In this city, you had citizens from a wide variety of ethnic backgrounds. There were racial riots. There was violence between people because of the different racial groups that they came up with. There, there was a wide variety of educational, standing, economic. You had every structure from the very, very poor of the poor to the wealthy in this city, which, of course, included slavery. There was a variety of tension in the city. In fact, The city of Ephesus was leveled many times either by earthquake or war. And so people who would maybe build up a family business would suddenly lose their business and have to start over from scratch. This is a city where people had a difficult time. There was constant movement in and out of the city. You see, uh, you get a sense of the layout of the city, uh, some of which we get from historical documents from this time. You get a, a chance to see how the city was tr- structured, the road that Paul that Paul traveled on. And if you read the story in the book of Acts, you see where those tumultuous events occurred. You see here a modern picture from now of the theater that was there, the amphitheater that was 25,000 seats. Now, that was astounding. It was amazing. And it was a place where there was activity going on all the time, every day. It was a place where there'd be music, there'd be plays, there would be sporting events. There was a culture where there were things that people would talk about. They'd talk about what happened there. But it was also a place where people would go to to publicly discuss ideas. Philosophy, political ideas, uh, religious ideas, have spiritual ceremonies. There were things that occurred in this theater of 25,000 seats. That this existed at this time when this, when this occurred, when the story starts in Ephesus in the book of Acts, or the story that we gather. Uh, this is what the, the facade of the library looks like to this day that survived. But the spiritual importance, the seeking of the, that which is spiritual was something that was an important thing in this city. What you see pictured here is a drawing of what the temple of Artemis or Diana, depending on if you were referring to her by Greek or Roman uh, terminology, the goddess of Artemis or Diana was worshipped, was in that temple that you see in the top right hand corner. That temple was considered one of the wonders of the ancient world. In the writings of a historian who traveled and saw all of the wonders of the ancient world, he said this, When I saw the temple at Ephesus rising to the clouds, all these other wonders, the other ancient wonders of the world, were put in the shade. This temple that you see pictured here was amazing. Amazing. And depending on which text you read and who you're listening to, the worship of Artemis and Diana, this fertility um, worship, which um, 
we could talk about for a long time, started when an asteroid fell to the earth and they used that as a part of their first idol in their worship of Artemis and Diana. So what we see in Ephesus is a city with culture, a city in tension, where people don't like each other, but come together, where people would take pride in the fact that they would seek out spiritual experiences, where people would take pride in the fact that they would have an open public dialogue about things that they would disagree about. Um, We also see a port city. We see a city where people were coming and going. What I see is similarities to Baltimore. Now, I could take an hour to talk about that, But similarly, we are a port city. And in U.S. history, the second city after New York City to reach 100,000 in population. Where three quarters of the coffee and sugar from the Caribbean came into Baltimore before going anywhere else in the United States. And that prominence, which was a cultural prominence as well as a commercial prominence, or the first commercial railroad went out of Baltimore towards New York and the Great Lakes states, This is a city, in fact, this building and the homes in this neighborhood and the the families even that started the tradition of the parade that is going to happen today started because this was the neighborhood that built 80%, the mills produced 80% of the duck cotton for ship sales for the whole of the United States. To this day, we are tied, this region, this Baltimore, Washington region, we are tied with Vegas for the highest percentage of people that come and go, that move in and move out. And the colony of Maryland was the first to be founded as neither Catholic nor Methodist, but both from the beginning. A pride in spiritual diversity is a part of the identity of Maryland. For many other commercial and other Effects And even as it was in Ephesus, so it is today, people with certain niche interests, uh, fetishes even, found Ephesus and today find Baltimore a safe place to be culturally. It's renowned to be a place that's safe for that. It's also renowned to be a place that's safe for creativity. Not always the most receptive to it, but safe to it, right? It's also... A city like Ephesus that has had great struggle. We just had an earthquake. (laughs) But it's also, it didn't level my house or this building, thankfully. It's also a city that has had to rebuild. It is also a city like Ephesus that has had to find a way forward out of racial tension and divide. Now this passage that we just read, it is so significant that I'm asking that you would even reread it this week is actually the hinge in this letter. This letter, the first half of the letter, well, let me back up. When you read this letter to the Ephesians, when you see the word you, it is the plural you, like all y'all. When you see the word love, it is the agape word love, love that gives, which we have defined in several weeks earlier this year. A love that gives, that is faithful, patient, kind, and selfless. So, That word, used 19 times in this letter, is the theme of the letter. That a group of believers that are identified by coming together regularly in public gatherings would grow in their love, 
would grow in free energy, in perpetual motion, in a spiritual energy that does not run out because of love that they find in Jesus when their roots grow down into Jesus. So this hinge in the letter is because in the first three chapters what we see, the theme is the spiritual privileges of the church, or love as a verb, a state of being. And in the latter three chapters of the letter, four, five, and six, what we see are the spiritual responsibilities of the church, or the verb in action, what love should do. Okay, So that's how the letter is broken down. And the passage that we just read is the hinge. Are you with me? This is important and it's helpful. Paul is wanting them to take next steps to experience growth in deeper levels in their life, in a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. They had had an initial experience with Jesus through hearing and believing. They had confessed sin and their belief in Jesus. But Paul's wanting to help them grow in their knowledge of and relationship with Jesus. Right? So, that's where... Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. So we receive strength by experiencing the love of Jesus and our all-powerful God. Now I'm going to put on the screen the verses that are in your hand in this handout about our all-powerful God. One side is all-knowing, one side is all-powerful. From Genesis 17, verse 1, where we get Yahweh El Shaddai. The Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. From Genesis 18, 14, again, still speaking to Abraham. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Job 42, verse 2, I know, Job says, I know, God, that you can do anything and no one can stop you. From Psalm 91 and verse 1, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Isaiah 43 and verse 13, from eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch anyone out of my hand. No one can undo what I have done. Jeremiah 32 and verse 17, O sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. From Jeremiah 32, 26 to 27, Then this message came to Jeremiah from the Lord. I am the Lord, the God of all peoples of the world. Is anything too hard for me? Matthew 19, 26, and Luke 1, 37, the account of Jesus saying these words. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. We see John's vision, Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 through 7. And he says, then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of mighty ocean waves, or the crash of loud thunder. And the voices said, Praise the Lord, for the Lord, our God, Almighty reigns. Why does this matter to me? Oh, Paul writes so beautifully in Philippians 1.6, I am certain 
that God, who began the good work within you, will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. It is God at work in you. We receive strength by experiencing the love of Jesus and our all-powerful God. Who are you interacting with? In private, in this place, in small groups, in homes, when we come to the living God, we should not, we cannot limit His ability by our understanding. We could, we should open ourselves to the fact that nothing is too hard for God. Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Is it true? Does it matter? Do you believe it? Is it true? Does it matter? Do you believe it? I have found myself in life tired, exhausted, frustrated, depressed, full of anxiety when I was living out of my own strength. What I have found is that when I will start start every day by accessing the living God, I can live out of His limitless resources. When I will give attention, when I will carve out time and energy and give God my best and not my worst of my energy, when I will put myself before Him, when I will receive His love, when I will let the roots of my life, the roots of my spirit grow down into His love, and when I will draw from His love from a relationship with Jesus, when I will draw from His love the strength for my life that I can have a power, an ability, a strength, a hope, a love, a zest for life, a desire for life, a strength for life that I did not have before. Free energy is available to you today. Here now, like that. So what do we do? How do we respond? That's nice, Pastor Ben. You're all wound up. <laughs> so what? What do we do? How does it how do we respond? Is it true? Does it matter? What do we do about it? We learn, we love, we live. Here's what I mean. We respond to God and His love. How? How do we, how do we love? Well, I suggest reading. Listen to the scripture on Audible. Find a way to get the Word of God inside you. Read. Read about the love of God. 
Read about the love of God. I suggest starting with the scripture because it has been proven. Read. And then question what you read. If you're not honest about your doubts, your insecurities, your fears, your concerns, there will not be strength in that faith. Question what you're reading. Question it. Identify, uh, it doesn't work for me. It's too complicated. I'm too frustrated. I don't understand it. Have you tried? Did you ever stop and write down what your questions are? Did you? I find that most people who avoid Scripture have not. What are your questions? What are your doubts? God cares about that. The Bible, the God says, bring your cares to Him for He cares for you. What are your frustrations, your doubts, your insecurities, your questions? It contradicts itself, does it? Show me. Let's talk about it. Unpack it. Write it down. What are your questions of it? Because if it truly is the word of the living God, it can be questioned. It can be tested. God says, test me. Try me. He said that. I know because it's in there. (laughs) Write out your questions. And try memorizing the word. Our main text for today was the favorite memory verse of Pastor Jack Loman, who before he went to heaven was one of the elders of this church. I heard him quote it so many times. Infinitely. Abundantly more than you can ask or think. He was a little firecracker of a guy. Try memorizing it. Loving God, receiving his love, is not just good vibes for a couple of minutes. When we learn about somebody that we're in relationship with, when we want to spend time with a person, there is a love, a learning in that love. Are you learning? Are you looking for? You can't receive God until you can recognize God, and that can't happen until you are looking for God. Are you looking? Love God. Receive His love by learning about Him. And that should bring you to a place of believing. I receive His love. This almighty God power that's available in my life, I receive it when I believe it. And then the natural byproduct is that I grow. It's not a guilt-oriented, shame-fest of a to-do list. That is the backwardsest approach to Christianity. I got to do this, and I got to do that, and I got to do this, and I can't do none of that. No! That's why in Ephesians, the letter starts with be before do. It's a state of being before it is an action. The action comes out of the state of being. Learn, love, believe, receive, and grow. Live. Then live like you believe it. Live like you believe it. 
talk like you believe it, smell like you believe it, sing like you believe it. Live your life like you believe it. Do you believe that there is a power inside God that is a limitless resource to you? That life can be better when you're not all exhausted and frustrated because you're striving out of your own strength, but instead you're living out of a love that comes from God through Jesus to you that is perfect, that knows you completely, knows everything about you. See the back page of the handout. Knows everything about you and yet still loves you. And that has all the power that where there is nothing, not a single thing in your life that is too hard for God. Because see, what will happen is I will come to an adjustment of perspective. And instead of seeking the perfect life, I will, or trying to be the perfect Christian, I will instead receive that there is in following Jesus and even in suffering, there is a peace, a joy, a love that is inexhaustible in which my life is life to the full. I thought it sounded good. Live like you believe it and then give it away. I have discovered on more than one Thanksgiving that when you take in more calories than you should, you can feel sick. God has actually designed our body for burning fuel that you take in. And one thing that the readers of this letter to Ephesians understood already from Greek culture was all things in moderation. And what they mocked in the Romans was their excess. In the Bible land, in Jerusalem, Caesarea, what we see is the Sea of Galilee that took in from many streams from the mountain range and this watershed. And then the water flowed out to the south through the Jordan River. And down the river, it flowed into the Dead Sea, which is still called the Dead Sea, which you can go today. And you can throw yourself in and you will float because the salt content is so high that nothing can live in the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is dead because there are no outlets. If all you do is take in and you don't give out, you will be an unhealthy person. (laughs) Live like you believe it and then give it away. One of the biggest tricks of the enemy is to make you think, I got to have all my stuff together before I can tell anybody about Jesus. Guess what? That's not happening. All you need to be is one step ahead of where they are and help them take the next step in following Jesus. You don't even have your stuff together. Stop waiting until you're perfect. Give it away. Thank you, Pastor Ben. That is so good. We love Jesus. One more time. Let me read the, the passage in context. This is one of my absolute favorites. Because of Christ and our faith in Him. Come on, maybe you need to close your eyes. Just focus on the Word of God. I'm going to close in prayer. Because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honored. When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father 
the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Lord, I thank You for Your Word that is so rich. I thank You for Your life that comes to us through Jesus, for Your Holy Spirit that guides us into truth in this place. May we be changed. May we respond to You. May we live out of a thank You, a love response to this passage today. May we be accessing this week as we memorize the verses about how there is nothing too hard for You. May our faith grow. May we be changed. And may we give it away. I thank you for it today in the name of Jesus. Amen.